0: Attention, please. Places for Top of Show. Places for Top of Show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Today we have Sean F. Gray. He is a longtime friend of mine and the producing artistic director at the Long Beach Playhouse. When I first met him, he was the prompt master at the Playhouse. Then he moved up to technical director and now he's the producing artistic director. And uh, I've been trying to get him on the podcast for probably since the beginning. So we finally got him because he's not in the middle of a show right now kind of. Yay! I was actually going to say that, that he was probably the one that has taken us the longest to get on. (laughs) Yeah, probably.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, you do 13 shows a year.
0: I know, I know, you're busy. And then you like have a life, mostly playing D&D with me, but you know, something like that. Uh, So welcome. So what we always start with is how did you get into theater? And did you know at some point you wanted to be a producing artistic director? But I guess we can start with How did you get into
1: theater? How did I get into theater? Well, I did a few shows when I was a little kid, but um, I would say that I really got into theater when I was in college. I took an acting class at my community college, and from that point on, I've literally been doing theater for the last 20 years.
0: So you started out as an actor?
1: I did like took like acting 101 and then yeah. i kept going uh, at our community college orange coast college they had what's called a student repertory company which is the students actually producing their own shows so we would like put them up we would direct them we'd act in them it was like uh we had artistic directors and technical directors and yeah. so it was very much like running a theater company
0: and was that for, like, credit or just...
1: Oh, yeah, it was for credit. Oh, okay.
0: That's cool. Did, did your instructors tell you what all those different positions were? Or was it just... Like, how did you guys figure that out?
1: No, they told us. Um, I mean, they were advisors. And also, I literally, when I was at Orange Coast College, I did so many shows. Not only the faculty-directed shows, but um, shows that I directed little uh festivals that we would do they had one acts or 10 minute plays and so i i ran the gamut i was the technical director at one point i was the artistic director at one point i've had to production manage festivals where you have like 10 different shows and you're trying to organize all the directors together <laughs> uh it's is like a lot oh, of it yes. was like i mean i took classes there as well but it was a lot of like
0: just experience, hands-on experience
1: hands-on experience and since they had we when I was there, they were doing like a fall semester, a winter session, uh, a spring session, and a summer session. I mean, you could literally do theater wow. all year round.
0: Uh, that's ideal. Yeah. So at the time, what what did you think your career was going to lead to? Like, did you think you were going to be an actor, or I probably, did you know at even the back then that you were going to go more the other I think way? At the
1: beginning, <laughs> I thought I was going to be an actor. That's what mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do. Then I started directing and I really liked directing because I like being in control.
0: Right. Well, there's a reason uh, I'm a stage manager too. So, um,
1: But honestly, I never thought I would be like the artistic director of a playhouse or a theater of th- that sort. I thought either I'd be an actor or I'd be directing somewhere. Um, well
0: you are directing somewhere, don't you still direct shows at the Playhouse?
1: I do. I do direct at least one show a year. Um, I'm contractually obligated to do so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you would choose it anyways.
1: Yeah. Um, but it's it's the best of both worlds. I get to uh, act as a producer on all of the shows at the Playhouse. I get to pick them with the help of the artistic committee that I'm head of and then uh, I get to direct a show that I want every year. <laughs>
0: Yes you have you do get the first choice of whatever you want.
1: I do yes.
0: I guess that's a benefit of being the top person. <laughs> so after OCC did you go to uh, you went to Cal State Long Beach did you go as a directing? emphasis it's an acting emphasis well
1: that's a little lots a roundabout story so i was at i was orange coast college for a long time because i loved it there and the theater was good and i was kept doing theater eventually i transferred to uh, cal state fullerton i was there for two semesters
0: oh i didn't even know that
1: yeah i hated it there um you go from like a theater program where you basically know everybody you have lots of opportunities to a theater program in Cal State Fullerton, at least at the time that I went there, that was very anonymous. It was very cliquish. You had to jury to get into any of the acting classes that you actually would want to take. Weird. It's They had this whole Ooh, it's program. Like, it's a
0: very large, and it's a. is it only a BFA program, or do, do they have a BA program as well?
1: No, they have a BA, BA program if you want oh, to just do? general theater. It's like, I wanted to go for acting, and that's what I went for um and here's my theory about this if i'm paying money to a college in order to learn something i want to be able to learn what i want to learn especially if i have the prerequisites in other classes to do that and if i want to go into a college to learn how to act i want to be able to learn how to act since i'm paying them
0: but you couldn't because you had to
1: there's a whole jury process, and they're very selective, and the it's like they were trying to be Juilliard or something. Is what I'm gonna say, and it's hmm. like you're a state school.
0: Yeah, I mean, known for theater, but still.
1: And not as a state school, Juilliard. I feel it's your mandate to be able to teach anyone who wants to learn something. This might get me in trouble. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I doubt <laughs> but, it. But I mean,
1: you're literally take, taking taxpayer money in order to teach. Uh, I think anyone who has the prerequisites of a class should be able to learn whatever they want. Um, And then after that, so I did that for a year. I went back to Osco Orange College for a little bit, and then a group of us from Orange Coast College decided that we were going to start our own theater company. And so we put our noses to the grindstone Um. We researched how to become a nonprofit. We went all through that rigmarole. We tried to re- recruit members, um, and we we were literally doing shows out of um, a LGBT uh, youth center at one point in the evenings. Then we also did shows out of our friend's comic book store. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, you were
0: a nerd back then, and you didn't know it. <laughs>
1: um, it was it was hard because we didn't have our own space and we were trying to do like, we were trying to do full seasons and we didn't have a, a full space. And everyone was volunteering at that point because, you know, it's a theater company. Um, <laughs> and, and a so, new one at that. Yeah. And so we were trying to make a go of it. That lasted probably about two to three years.
0: That's still pretty good. Two to three years. My first two companies only last, well, first company only lasted less than a year. Mm-hmm. Second company lasted a couple years. <laughs>
1: And so after that I ended up going actually like okay I need to get my degree so I I transferred over to Cal State Long Beach and I was there for 2 years. And I got my uh BA in theater with an emphasis in acting. Why
0: nice. why Long Beach? Was it Close? Did it have the program you wanted? It was
1: close. Um, I'd known some people had that had gone there who suggested it to me, and I'm really glad that I did. I think I went at the time with like the right group of people, the right instructors, the right instructors. It was just an amazing time. I would have to say, like my time at Cal State Long Beach is one of the best times I've ever had in school.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And did you? find the playhouse from there
1: i did like literally i graduated in 2008 um
0: i was there i didn't know you super well Like uh, jackie invited me <laughs> i had known
1: that my friend andrew von schmidt had just gotten the job as the technical director over there and i was like i called up andrew i was like andrew i'm bored i need something to do do you have anything for me and he said we just fired our prop person do you want to come in and do props and so I went over there, and that's how I got started over at the Playhouse.
0: But you knew Andrew from OCC, yes? So uh, you'd known him a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, we'd been in shows over there together. He directed me in shows over there together. He was actually part of the theater company that we started. Um, and so yeah.
0: And then, had you done props before, or was yeah? That's what was I was going to ask. Just like the that's... open position,
1: I had never done props specifically before. I mean sometimes when you're directing you have to go and get your own props. Yes. And I've had to do that. Um but it was very much um on the job learning. How and the way like Andrew it? and <laughs> the way Andrew puts it, I was far better not knowing anything than the person before me. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> And you stayed at props for a number of years. How did you like it?
1: I did like it. Um I tend to be a little obsessive sometimes, so I like things, especially in the prop realm. If I'm trying to do realism, I really want things to look realistic, especially up close. Mm-hmm. Uh, our stage is at the, the studio stage. Upstage is a proscenium, so I could get away with more. But the main stage is like a three-quarter thrust downstairs, and literally, you have people five feet away. Oh, so you like have to make two
0: feet away. Yeah, they're right there. You
1: have to have make papers look like like are actual papers and have writing on them that looks realistic. Like you can't really get away with much downstairs.
0: I think your obsessiveness also helped with how well organized that place was. Like everything had its place, and you knew exactly where everything was. And there's multiple rooms at the playhouse that have props in it, right? Or like at least three, four. Oh yes, no, there's uh, like twelve. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm there's only thinking, like...
0: like the one where his office is, and then the one with like all the glassware, and then whatever's upstairs. Yeah, there's there's, there's like
1: four dedicated prop rooms, but there's also props stored all over everywhere. So right,
0: well. <laughs> And there's two sheds on the roof with larger furniture and two sheds in the back with furniture. So, yeah. But, yeah, no, there's, it's amazing how much stuff is there.
1: Yeah, and-, and by the time I was doing... I was, like, full swing prop master, I knew where most everything was. Um, there's so much stuff we have at the Playhouse. Even to this day, there's probably something I haven't seen. But uh, I knew where most of it was. Um, I did create some things and uh i i used to pride myself on being able to get things cheap um i used to have a hundred dollar budget for every show that we did except for if it was a musical i might get 150 so i was very proud of being able to do 13 shows a year each with a hundred dollars
0: yeah and you guys don't just do small little shows you do musicals and farces and shows with weapons and
1: yeah um Thankfully, the Playhouse has a large stock, which we were able to draw on so I could save money. But, you know, it's a lot of, like, going to to uh, the 99 cent store and seeing what <laughs> I can make and seeing if we have something in stock that I could modify to make it look like what we need it to look like. It was a lot of fun.
0: What so, was your wait, favorite I, I... prop? I win. What was yep. the favorite your favorite prop that you created?
1: That I've ever created? Um... I was very proud. I made a carpet bag myself from scratch that they still use, which I'm very happy about that one. i also happy, um, I made this, uh, we did a version of Dracula by Stephen Dietz in which you had to have, like, an old-fashioned blood transfuser. So I was really proud of that, like, making this thing that looked like it could, like, pump blood, like this little glass cylinder with a syringe that came in and little tubes going out of it
0: blood (laughs) is the best
1: it was hard to make I had to find all these little fixtures and stuff and like I ended up using like gardening things and like tubing
0: (laughs) that's what I love when I go to Home Depot and they're like can we help you with something I'm like not unless you know how to build a lightsaber from PVC pipe because that's what I'm doing today (laughs) and they're like uh yeah
1: half the job of a prop master is just saying oh what's that thing How can I turn that into something else that looks like something else?
0: What if I painted brass instead of silver? That works, right? Mm -hmm. Hammer it a little bit. Well that was gonna be one of my questions. Like how how much of that did you kind of know going because we've talked to other props people where, you know, like you have to know so much about fabrication and like sewing and painting and woodwork and welding and all that stuff. How much did you know of that going into this props job? Or well, did you, again, just, like, learn on the job, like, well, I need to make a carpet bag, I guess I'll figure out how to sew today.
1: I mean, it was half and half. Um, at Orange Coast College, we had, a, I took all the tech classes, so I know, okay. I knew how to sew. Uh, I'd taken scene craft, so I know how, to, I knew how to build a flat and how to work with wood. Um, we didn't really have anything like the, like, I know, like, like, they have vacuum form things that prop masters use sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do a lot of that, Um but as far as like well, uh, welding, I did learn how to weld at one point when I was the technical nice. director. But I didn't do a lot of welding when I was the prop master. Uh, but I did have I le- learned a lot of those technical skills at Orange Coast College.
0: That's awesome. And then you yeah. just refine them as you needed them. Yes. On the job. My other question before Stacy runs away with it is: <laughs> Was the Prop section organized when you got there, or is that something that you took under your belt when you arrived?
1: It was a bit organized. I would say I came in and organized it more. Um, one of the things about the playhouse is whenever somebody else new comes in, they organize it the way they want to. Yep, so, Larry's like, uh, redone it.
0: Sense.
1: Like the person after me, Larry Mira, he organized it the way he wanted to.
0: Drove Sean crazy. Larry threw shit out. He did. But, but that's like
1: I'm, the kind way, a, I'm kind the of I'm kind of a hoarder works. Yeah.
0: You know, like, I would put different things next to each other, probably, because it would make more sense to me than, you know, somebody mm-hmm. else. I think Larry just mostly thinned out the piles, so you could actually walk down hallways. Oh. Um,
1: but also but the know? other day, our prop master right now, uh, Allison, like, she didn't know where something was, and I'm like, well, let me look and see if it were was it where I used to put it. And it was, and so I found it for her. <laughs> so...
0: I can still find most things or I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure it would be in this general area. I'll just go hunt for it, which the advantage, I pull most of my props from the playhouse first before I go anywhere else, because they have everything. It's excellent. I remember the first, time, the first time I walked in, um, actually, I was doing a show with Andrew and Ted Leib and... Uh, Ted went down and pulled props, and he's like, you should go see the prop shop down there. It's excellent. And all I knew of Sean was his name on a piece of paper. He said, <laughs> Sean Gray. He checked out the props. And when I first walked in to do uh, something with Andrew, I was like, there's chairs hanging on the ceiling that I've needed for so many shows. <laughs> it it was a very enlightening experience. Cindy, so, you remember in high school, we needed a wooden ladder for um, the miracle worker? Yep, they had oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was actually just thinking, like, for at least five seasons, I think Long Beach Playhouse furnished most of the props for um, Long Beach opera shows. Because yeah. Stacy was like, oh, I know how to find almost all of these things. Yeah, that the, the horse one that you did twice. Uh, difficulty of crossing the field. Yeah, it was all Long Beach. It was or, all, yeah, all Playhouse. All the Playhouse props. <laughs> <laughs> it's just simple. Drive down this street, pick up a whole pile of props, go to the show.
1: You got a lot of props.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hint, hint anyone in Southern California. Props and costumes go to the Long Beach Playhouse. Well, I was just gonna say that. Do you guys rent a lot of them or do you make a
1: we do? Um, uh, uh, Larry, I don't know how much Larry's renting right now. Um, I know Christina does rent stuff. Christina um,
0: does costumes,
1: yeah. Our new costume, uh, resident costume designer and costume shop manager, Christina um rent stuff out we do we do do rentals yes i i'm not in the back there now so i don't know how much we're doing at this point but um i know in my day people were calling me up all the time and i was like this is good. i mean this should be a full-time job because it's like taking a lot of my, i used to call them time vampires because i'm like i have 15 <laughs> shows to get props for and now people want to yeah. rent props for me <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's why I'm just like, hey, I'm coming in to borrow these. Do you need any of these? No, I'm going to take them for a couple of weeks. I'll put a check in Madison's box. Thank you.
1: <laughs> when I first started, it was 16 shows. I was literally opening a show every three weeks. So. Yeah,
0: it was a crazy schedule. Uh, so then how did you go from prop master to technical director?
1: Well, first I was assistant technical director.
0: Oh, I missed a step.
1: Yeah. Um uh about a year, I would say a year into me being prop master, uh, Andrew was the technical director at that point, was like, "He, they were going to make him the technical director slash artistic director. I know, it's strange, it's a strange title. So he needed an assistant. <laughs> I and know, but so, that's
0: so awesome to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this
0: is um, why everything runs smoothly.
1: Um So, I know. so he needed an assistant because he was going to be focusing more, like... He needed actually someone to build the shows for him. He was going to like do the drawings and stuff, but he needed someone to build. So that's where I came in. I was bumped up to be the assistant technical director. I still did props, but now I got paid like an hour. A lot more. I got more hours and I was doing props and I was also building the set. So, Oof, so much work. That's how I got to be the assistant technical director. Now how I became got to be the art technical director in full... Is that my boss fell off a ladder and injured his foot, his well, ankle, to be specific.
0: <laughs> injured and, is a nice way of saying it.
1: And then yes. there was a long process there where he couldn't. He was in a wheelchair, and then he had to be on a scooter, and whole drama. Eventually, he ended up having that foot and that that leg amputated. Um,
0: it was but, like a two year process. It was a two year before process. We got to
1: that. Um, but he fell off a ladder in like Christmas of 2010, and it wasn't I, even
0: told he was like two or three steps it up. It was too. a six
1: foot ladder. It was a six foot ladder. It was. But not he wasn't tall.
0: even at the top. You guys were just in the shop.
1: We were hanging a drop to paint.
0: Yeah, so everyone, be fe- careful. Ladders can be dangerous. He fell off a dangerous. ladder and he
1: just fell on that ankle in the exact wrong way. It broke the the little connector where the ankle meets the foot. It shattered, and just nothing but problems after that. Um, yeah, so be careful. I'm always careful on ladders, and I always make sure everyone else is careful on ladders because of my <laughs> horrible experience. He
0: doesn't approve of some of my ladder techniques. I don't approve of some of your ladder techniques. <laughs>
1: um, so then I was kind of just thrown in. I was like, my next show after the Christmas show was Lieutenant Vinishmore. So it's literally <laughs> thrown into being full technical director and still doing props.
0: With a bunch of blood and live animals for that show.
1: Yeah, and so I just had to step up and do it. I so was... what did
0: that what did that mean? Like, what else did that entail? Was it more um, drafting? Was it more budget stuff?
1: Yes. Uh, oh, I ha- well, Andrew would still do a lot of the. He would still be there for like techs. So he would be there overseeing, like when he was the technical director, he'd be overseeing uh, Q to Qs and. Um, press rehearsals and that kind of thing so i had to step into that duty i also had to take over more of the production manager kind of stuff like with dates and like 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 ordering purchasing wood making sure we kept into budget um
0: because i'd say the technical director is also the production manager yeah i was just gonna say you guys don't actually have a production manager at that point
1: at that point andrew was kind of running as the production manager um And then I kind of took that over when he got injured, and I kind of kept that on um, past him coming back as technical director, because there was the time that he came back, but then I got made full technical director. Um, So there was a kind of a limbo time where I was technically an assistant technical director, but I was doing all of the technical director stuff. Yeah and that lasted for about i'd say like six months to maybe nine months and this was back in the olden days when we had 16 shows a year so i think we were at that point going into a new schedule where we only did 13 shows a year but still it was it was a lot of hard work and it was a scary time period I remember just feeling overwhelmed sometimes there was one show that I just like curled up under my desk when I got home one night and just started crying because I felt so overwhelmed Um, I was there by my side I had no other I was like it was like our first dress rehearsal our sound designer decided not to show up I was dealing with a very difficult director um, who was very nervous that the sound designer didn't show up and I was just (laughs) I, I was like I was just overwhelmed
0: but I think stuck, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not even 10 years ago. Talking just right. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe uh, every other show. But...
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So, but, you know, I got through it. I, I mean, I look back on my days doing that stuff and I'm like, how did I survive all of the things that I was doing?
0: Yeah. Because, okay, so you've mentioned doing 16 shows and down to 13 shows. How how does that work? You have two spaces how does, so What old, does the schedule look like For a typical So for know, now
1: show. we have Two theaters we have our main stage Theater which does eight shows And then our studio's theater Upstairs that does five shows now The old days they used to do eight and eight But we cut the studio upstairs To to, to only five shows Um So the main stage basically runs All year there's a little Gap at Christmas and a little Gap in the end of the summer but for the most part, that the theater's always running. um the studio theater starts well we start production we start pre-production for that in February and then it goes to mid mid to end of November um so those are just the shows we're producing. We do have a season where we have outside theater groups called the- uh collaborative that that they come in and do their own shows um for the time that the studio that we aren't producing in the studio uh but when we it's still the same when we do now have both theaters running at the same time we are still opening a new show every three weeks um we when andrew was made artistic director he convinced the board to take one weekend out of our runs because we weren't selling like we would his logic was we weren't selling out shows so we would still have the same amount of people coming to the show in a five-week run instead of a six-week run and then we would use that extra week to actually like have a load week to, like, build the sets on the stage and have the actors be able to use the set before going into dress rehearsal. Because in the old days, we used to have a load-in, and then the first dress rehearsal was the night afterwards.
0: Yeah, we'd load-in starting early Sunday morning, and by yes. Monday, they were doing dress rehearsals.
1: Um, Which was a killer schedule. And it was not good for the shows either, because it's like kittens with wet paws. It's like seeing <laughs> actors actually adjust to a stage and their own stage and their own set. They need a week of that. And they weren't getting that in the bat in the old days, so
0: Plus, it just made, like, that load-in Sunday, I don't know how many times I was there, like, 15 hours, because we didn't have time to do molding the next day. Like, it needed to start being painted the next day.
1: Oh, the stories I hear of, like, the olden days of when literally everyone was there at 6 a.m. and people weren't leaving until midnight of the hell Sunday. Like, no. Andrew did a smart thing when he changed that schedule, and I think the shows have improved because of it.
0: Yeah, People aren't so exhausted by the time they get to day two of tech. <laughs> yeah, and you still have the same number of people buying tickets, so it's not like it—you've lost any money this way, correct?
1: Um, Hopefully, no. I mean, you know, like all theaters, like the recession hit us.
0: True. So it is yeah. kind of hard to tell.
1: Yeah, but I don't think I don't think it did. I don't think it was detrimental to like audience base or anything. I think they adjusted pretty well. Um, yeah. And I will say On the positive side It really did affect the quality of the shows And like the actors security With what they were doing Like is just improved Also like the, the technical elements have improved as well Now that you want just like throwing up some molding Maybe at five minutes Before your first dress rehearsal on a Monday
0: <laughs> Yeah right. <laughs> Actually make it look good Yeah uh so what is a typical schedule for a show i know they're all overlapping you're doing like five shows at once but you guys have a very and i've talked about it a number of times on the podcast like it is so well organized and structured and so smooth what is what is one show look like in schedule
1: glad you asked that question and thank you um (laughs) We spent Andrew and I spent, and this was his idea too we spent a lot of time trying to like figure out how we would do the schedule in a way that would make it like a machine because if you're doing thirteen shows a year and you're opening a new show every
0: and you guys only have like f- three full time crew uh, yeah. technical have, people,
1: yeah, we have to have it like a machine or else it's not gonna work with the amount of people that we have to do it um so a basic show has eight week from auditions to opening so the first week is auditions and the first read-through and then it has a seven-week rehearsal period four weeks into that uh in the fifth week so four weeks of rehearsal and then in that fifth week we have our designer run-through and that is non-negotiable. We always have our designer run-through on that Monday after the four-week rehearsal process. And the directors are required to have their shows completely blocked and off-book at that point. Um, I try to drill that in directors as much as possible for them to be able to get their show in that point because, I mean, it's really a boon to them and to their actors. Um, you can have your show completely blocked and off-book in four weeks what that means is that every other moment after that point you're just adding nuance to your show you're deeping it you're making it better you've already got the structure there you've already got it down your designers have seen have seen it three weeks uh is it three no it's it's two weeks no it's three weeks from opening
0: three weeks from opening three weeks from opening your designers have seen
1: the show completely blocking off book three weeks from opening So they have time to start thinking about what they need to be doing. They've seen the show. They know where these actors are going to go. It really alleviates communication issues. It also, I find, makes the shows better quality because you're not having actors constantly worrying if they're going to be off book by opening night because they've already had had a run-through off book three weeks before opening. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then we load in uh, a week after our designer run-through on a Sunday um, That's a pretty simple process We've gotten it down to literally Like we keep the actors there for three hours That day uh, The tech people stay longer for paper tech And to work on the set some more But usually the technical director isn't there Past six
0: Yeah which is excellent
1: And then they have a week now on their stage And the technical director is Continually building on the set that week The actors are working on their set That week in the space uh, then when that week is done, we have a weekend where we do a dry tech, where the, des- the designers are supposed to have all of their cues already in the boards programmed. They show those cues to the director, the director without actors, which is important. Um, I often find that cue to cues are so long is because designers have not programmed things beforehand. And so we have actors just sitting around while programming is happening, which is a waste of people's time um if you have basic looks already at the dry tech that the director has seen and approved then when you have actors the next day at the queue to queue all you really need to do is make adjustments to say oh that actor is actually moving over there let's just add more light over over on them instead of building entire cues for that um because i hate long queue to cues i think they're a waste of time I think you don't need to have actors sitting around while you're futzing with things that you already should have thought about. Like, you don't need actors there while you're programming and building cues. It's just a waste of time, their time. Uh, and and not, it's not productive. And then, so on the day after our dry tech, we have the q to q as I was talking about. And then we go into dress rehearsals the next week. Uh, we start with full hair and makeup, full, uh, full set, full costumes for lights and sound that first night. Uh, we don't stop unless there's a costume issue or a safety issue. Um, run it like a show. And then we do three nights of dress rehearsals. Um, we add a photo call on the Wednesday night at that last dress rehearsal. And then we have a, uh, an invited audience the next night for a pay what you can on a Thursday. Then we have, we, we're, the playoffs is a little strange in that we don't open on Fridays. We open on Saturdays. So we have a preview on a Friday night And then we open on a Saturday Um And then we have five week runs Um With uh, f- Shows Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays Sunday matinees Uh Yes,
0: St- yes I was gonna call you Stacy I know I wanted. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um Because this is I mean, I, I a little bit know the answer to this, but because it's so different than how um, opera runs or the way, yeah, yeah, how opera runs. So can you explain what the days are like? Because I'm used to my, we we only get 10 days usually to, to block an entire opera,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, but it's because we're working six hour days and, you know, we then like load in a show and then Anyways, it, it's a completely different schedule, but the way you describe it, and especially when you're talking about having singers on stage in tech, but the the tech crew still building the set while singers on stage, can you just kind of describe the days? Because you guys only rehearse in the evenings, right? So that's why you have such a long process. So if you like were to shorten it all, or the number of hours you work is about the same hours that I would do in opera, but it's just elongated a bit, I believe. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Well also um, I think opera is different in that you're also having people that have often played these roles multiple times, right? And so uh,
0: I mean not the operas I do, but they have yes. to come in off book already. Weird yeah. Stuff. yeah, they come in off book.
1: Um, which is different. Well, we're a community we're a community theater. So the people that are actors that act at the show are people from the community. They use, most of them are either students or have day jobs, and so they really have weekends and evenings free. Um, so we can't rehearse during the day. Uh, we rehearse in the evenings, usually for three hours from 7 to 10, uh, Monday through Thursday. Um, so people can come after work, and then we, the directors will usually have a weekend rehearsal, either on a Saturday during the day or a Sunday evening. Um, and... With straight shows, um process is that long because obviously we're only doing it three hours a day. It's yeah. not like uh, it's not like we're doing a six hour block of time. also they uh our actors aren't professionals either, so they need more time because they also are focusing on other things in their life, like their right day but job. that's what I'm
0: thinking like yeah. hours wise, I guess it's similar,
1: uh-huh. you guys
0: just like stretch it out a lot more. We like jam it mm-hmm. all in in eight. A- like breakneck speed, which is crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I think it's good, especially since people have other lives that they're leading, and and this is like what they're doing to like feed their artistic need, or they're doing yeah. it as a hobby, but or a creative outlet. Uh, which I'm proud that as a community theater, we can do that for them. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, most of these people don't come in off book. They they learn being off book through the process, and um. I think having rehearsals spread out over that period of time also gives actors a chance to like build up their characters, have a chance mm. to like think of them mm-hmm. over a long period of time, so they can be deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a matter of like, I'm sure the people in your operas are just dedicated to the opera. That's what they're there they're there for the ten days that they're there.
0: Well, also, cities yeah. uh, the opera people are paid. Uh All of the actors at the Playhouse are volunteer, right?
1: Yeah, because it's a community playhouse, um, community theater. They they have day jobs, so they come, and we offer this service for them, so they can come and do a show, and they don't have to pay for it.
0: Yeah, which is different than so many places in LA where you have to pay to be part of a company.
1: Yeah, Um, and I think so. Then that
0: allows you during tech that you then have like all day for your crew that's there to like paint and light and program. Without the performers there, and then in the evening, you just run the show and not have to worry about uh, wasting the performers' time.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because uh, our technical director. That is something Larry, I wish
0: happened in Obermoor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine trying to paint and do a set while you have people on stage rehearsing. That sounds horrible. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's more the lights and the sound that are an issue, but. Yeah, wet paint, whatever. Yeah.
1: Oh, my. I can only imagine actors in wet paint. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Walking under ladders, messing up sounding and light stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. But then before you even get to rehearsal, there's a schedule of production meetings and all. What do those look like?
1: Yeah, before auditions, we usually have two production meetings, a concept meeting and a production meeting. Um, concept meeting... uh. We really started to institute because Andrew started this and I agreed with him as I became artistic director that we wanted to just not just stage shows. There can be a tendency in community theater to just like, like, here, here's the script. Here's the set in the back of the script here. Just give me this. And I'm just going to stage the show like it is in the script with the blocking exactly like it is. And it's like, there's a difference between directing a show and staging a show. A director has a vision for a show. They have a thing, they have a message they want to say with the show. Um, They're trying to tell a story in a specific way. And that requires a vision, that requires a concept. As opposed to just staging a show, I mean, it's not really a lot of thought required in that. I mean, there is a lot of work in that. But you aren't trying to to have a you aren't trying to really say something when you stage a show, as opposed to when you have a concept and a vision for it. So we started instituting the concept meetings, especially for shows that could have many multiple approaches to them. Uh, usually, our studio shows is where this is really valuable because we try to think outside the box with our studio shows and do th- different things with them um like recently in the past couple seasons we did an importance of being earnest upstairs that was all female all the parts were played by women um and we just got done with a concept meeting and a production meeting for our upcoming production of hair and the director really wanted to to lean in a specific way with that so he needs a meeting to tell us that so his designers can get enthusiastic about the concept and then go off and start doing their designs and then we have a production meeting where the designers come back with their design ideas and show the director and they talk more about like design like taking from what the director's concept to actually making it practical and like we figure out what we can do and our production meetings we set our budgets at that point um I or the technical director will say, "Yes, let's try to do that," or no, that's not in the budget <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, we find that that's, that's the way we can do it. I know some places they try to have production meetings every week because I have a limited staff um, who is always doing a show. We can't do a production meeting every week because that would just kill them. So we communicate regularly through stage manager reports. Um but in re- realistically, uh, my, my staff is looking at each stage match report. They aren't really focused on a show until they get to that designer re- run-through four weeks into the process, where then they, can, then they have just opened the show beforehand and they can really focus on the show that they're going to work on.
0: Because at any point, like, say, Christina in costume, she's in, what, pre-production for two shows, rehearsal for one show probably tech for a show and then cleaning up from another show there's like five shows that are always
1: yeah i would say that myself and the staff at the playhouse usually have at least five shows going through our
0: brains at one time yeah that's way too look at cindy looks confused no i was just thinking i was thinking about something that he said like two minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> what i was thinking is because i just had this discussion with a costume a costume designer that i worked with you said set the you said set the budget during that second production meeting but do you mean like you you must already have a budget set is that when you tell the designers what their budget is or is that when you sit down and practically go through with the designers and say this will work in the budget or what do you mean exactly by by so we have
1: obviously we have a set budget for the year like for all of the shows we're planning to do that season um and then at that point, Larry, our technical director, will assign budgets for the set and for lights and other things like that. And Christina will set her who's the costume designer, will set her own budget, taking from their knowledge of what we usually spend per show for a specific show, and what, she, what they have as a yearly budget. Usually our budgets are pretty much the same for each show unless it's a bigger show then we might allocate some more money to a specific thing but they usually mm-hmm. keep them the same um and I'll let you in a little secret
0: our budgets are low yeah <laughs> they they are but that's why it's great that there's such a stock like uh-huh. if I want to build an entire show out of flats and platforms most of that's already there
1: and so that does help a lot We also have a good large costume stock as well um
0: and do you tell the do you do you let the director know what the budget is for all those areas like do you tell them up oh front, yeah but they're not in control budget of it. is only going to be 20 dollars for this
1: yeah but they're not in control of it but
0: they're uh, not in the control but that's the argument that i was having at a company before is that they the company wasn't telling the director what the budget was and so they had a much larger idea of what the budget was For each area and then kept getting upset that things weren't happening until finally I said, you know, the budget for this is only like 50 bucks. And they're like, oh, well, in that case, you know, and then they were able to work with us. But in their head, they thought it was like, oh, we have $2,000. Why am I not getting all of these things? So that's just my argument always like, I don't see why not to tell the director what the budget is because usually directors are pretty rational once they know what the numbers are
1: no i completely agree like no we'd say it in the room right in front of them at the production meeting so they know what the budgets are for everything good
0: yeah so they don't have this like weird idea that it's like 10 times larger than what it actually is
1: yeah and usually especially when i'm working with new directors i when i am like interviewing them and like prepping them before like because I now as the artistic director, I like to have a pre-meeting with the director, especially if they're new about a show that I might have questions about before we get mm-hmm. even get to the concept meeting. So I know what their concept is. So I can say, yeah, that might work. No, that concept might not work.
0: <laughs> right.
1: um, I warn them about the budgets. I'm like, don't go into this thinking that you've got like $10,000 to spend on props. Because <laughs> $10,000 is like our yearly budget for everything scenic. So. <laughs>
0: And do you find that they're usually pretty reasonable? Like Oh yeah. But like my experience is once you tell them what their numbers are, they might be like, Well that's a lot lower than I thought and then they're like, Okay, I'll rethink about how I want to do this scene or like rethink of what this prop actually needs to be. Yes. yes. That's why I never understand why people just want to keep it all a secret. I don't understand the secrecy in it all.
1: No, I think well, I think communication is like the key to doing theater. I think yeah, everyone exactly. not point. Communicating at all times. It's like it's a collaborative art like the show can't happen without everyone doing their job and communicating how they're doing their job to everyone else. So secrecy yeah. has no place in theater.
0: Yeah. yeah I certainly. 100% agree. It's like, I don't know if anyone's paid attention, but I am doing hair as a set designer. I've already posted a picture or two. Uh, And I talked to Allison on props right after the production meeting, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking my budget's going to be a little lower than we estimated, so let's figure out, like, you know... What what... they need? Yeah. Just because there's... I'm I'm thinking of a lot of, like, set dressing-y things that could either go under set design or could go under props, but you know, it's set dressing and atmosphere and stuff like that. And, you know, that's always a fine line on, is it a prop? Is it a set piece? Is it a costume? Yeah. So it's like, well, if if I can put a couple things on set dressing's budget under set instead of props, then you have a little more money to do prop things. And yeah, definitely negotiate because it's not like it's my money. I'm going to spend it all. You get none of it. I'm like, how do we make this show look really well? And how do we share all the things? Well, yeah, that was my thing, too, is if, if you don't communicate with people, if you don't communicate, especially with the director, then it's not going to look as good as you want it to look because the director is going to have one idea and then production is going to give them something completely different. And then, it, you know, it's not going to mesh well together. But and then everyone's mad and everyone's grumpy yeah. and the show looks right. weird. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, so that was my confused uh, face. That's what I was just thinking about.
1: Yeah, and I think this also goes back to the way that I like to work with directors at the Playhouse. Um, I know a lot of people like at our level that are doing like shows in like uh, storefront theaters or community theaters or like other smaller theaters. A lot of those directors are used to having to do everything for themselves. Like they're having to pull their own right. props or like build mm-hmm. their own sets and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Since we do have a full-time staff at the Playhouse, I mean we don't have a lot of them, but we do have a full-time staff. I like our directors to know that they just have to come in and direct a show. They don't have to worry about like building their set or like pulling their own props. They need to rely on like working with the team and working with their designers to create their vision. Um that's also what I view my job as a producer like because I I view myself as the producer of every show is to like facilitate what the director wants within reason of what we have with our limited time and resources. So mm-hmm. um, I think I, I've i been pretty good at communicating to our directors that we'll give you what you want within what we can reasonably afford and the limitations on our time and labor.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think is important because I feel like a lot of... Uh producers or artistic people are so focused on like acting and directing they forget that crew has budgets and time and only so much resource yes that that i that's one thing i really love about the playhouse is like everybody's important and just because the director wants it doesn't mean if it's in the budget or that we have it in stock or it's easy to get like we'll try but
1: well that's why i'm so grateful to like all of the time i spent at occ Because they really trained us there to do everything, like act and direct and like do lighting and to sew costumes and to do sets and to production manage and like to plan out a rehearsal schedule. I learned how to plan out a rehearsal schedule at RCC from my first directing class. I didn't learn that when I went to Cal State Long Beach. There was no, like, practical organization of how to actually be a director in my directing class. That's that's at... how I
0: felt about college, too. All of my practical knowledge in college came from the TD being like, mm-hmm. here's a light plot. I'm going to teach you how to read it because we don't have a class that does that. And yeah. I was like, well, how else am I going to learn if someone doesn't teach me?
1: And so, like, now that I'm, like, in the position of, like, producing shows and, like, being an artistic director, I'm like... I can pull on my things. I've designed sets I've been an actor I've directed a show and like we're all artists here it's not just the people on stage they are very important Um, but the people backstage are just as much artists and they should be as respected as the people who are on stage and so I try to remind actors of that when I do at the first read through or when I do my orientation Um, but you know here's the thing we can't all do the show unless we're all working together Like, that's why it's a collaborative art. It all requires all of us.
0: Yeah. As much as it might be exciting for us to build a set and do lights and sound, if there's no actors on stage after, like, five seconds, the audience is like, great. That's cool. Now what? I'm trying to think if there's any other, and I don't know a lot of theater companies and opera companies. I, I don't know any opera companies that are like this. But if there's any other companies out there that have somebody who has been a technical director or has been a props person, has been anybody in the technical aspect as artistic producing. Of yeah. I feel like it's usually like actor, director, artistic yeah. person. And in my field, it's usually like a, a singer or a a pianist or yeah, somebody in the music field. And it then makes it a little bit challenging from the production side, but I'm just wondering how many other companies out there that have somebody Running a company that's from the tech area.
1: I don't know. I I I'm grateful for all of my tech knowledge. I mean, I went into I went into the beginning being an actor, and I did a lot of acting. Um, I when I finished up with my degree in acting, but all of the technical stuff I learned at Orange Coast College, all of the stuff that I did with the theater company outside, like that's where I made my money from. That's how I made a living in theater. <laughs>
0: exactly yeah. which is also why we wanted to do the podcast like hey people there's more than just acting and directing out there the rest of us live too and
1: i think they both go hand in hand i mean they are both yeah. art forms like yeah i will say this as an actor and this is something maybe tech people don't understand being an actor is being incredibly vulnerable because it's the most insecure making thing you ha- you will ever do in your life is going on stage because you have to open yourself up And you have to be vulnerable in order to give a good performance. Yeah, I hear that
0: all the time with singers. And it often
1: relies on getting feedback from other people and getting other people's validation for your work because you're not experiencing it the same way that they are experiencing it. And so Mm -hmm. in that way, you have to have a lot of trust for the people you're working with, like your directors and your stage managers especially your director, to give you, like, valid feedback on what you're being vulnerable about on stage. Like, if I'm building a set, it's like, yeah, that looks great. I can stand back and say, okay, I painted that right, I built it well, I I put the molding up, and it's like, I have a good objective way if that's how it is. Exactly. As a a performer, you don't have that.
0: But what's also different is as a performer, you're going out there every night trying to recreate something like we're not relighting the show every single night. We're not Mm -hmm. repainting a set every single night, you know, like we paint it once, ideally, you know, and that's it. And then the show runs for weeks and weeks. But if you're having a bad night or if you're sick or if you're losing your voice like this happens, especially with singers, you know, all of a sudden they allergies hit and they can't sing. Mm -hmm. You know, and like,
1: if I get allergies
0: as a stage manager, I can still call go I can still hit a button, you know, like Uh I can for the most part still do my job. And so I think that is so vulnerable as well as a performer, because there's so many other factors that go into their performance that I don't necessarily have to think about uh, Mm. as a stage manager or a production manager.
1: No, it is like, you're absolutely right. And like being on stage is nerve wracking. Like the last show that I did like four years ago, Bat Boy, I have never been as insecure as I was go- doing that show. And there were a lot of issues with that show. I had some issues with the te- with the musical director. But I just never felt secure when ever going on stage when I was what I was doing. And I was like, for a long like for a long time, for the last four years, I haven't performed anything since that point. Because Yeah, you haven't. Um because I just it's so it makes you so insecure going up there. It's like, uh, and I understand why people like who are actors go into directing because they don't want to perform anymore. Um, um, but you know, as a director, I have a lot of respect for actors. I mean, cause I've done it and just what they're willing to do and go out and do because I mean, they can also drive you crazy. Because, as I say, <laughs> acting takes 90% of your brain, and so there's little left for anything else.
0: <laughs> yeah, Sean had to explain it to me when yeah. I'm like, I don't get it. How come an actor can stand on stage, the set falls down, and they didn't see it? How did they not see it? He's like, because they're acting. That's all they're thinking it's about.
1: acting literally takes 90% of your brain.
0: I'm like, but I a mean, set fell down. Nope. But the, I... we. <laughs> we said that a lot this summer too. It, and it's not just like them on stage, but there was a point during the summer, you know, because I lived with 80 people that were all performers. And I was like the only one that wasn't a performer, but I would get calls in the middle of the night to be like, the vacuum cleaner doesn't work. And I'd be like, what do you want me to do about that? Like, why am, why am I the person that you're called about the vacuum cleaner? Or somebody else was like, so I'm leaving for the, for the summer and I don't know what to do with my hair dryer. And I was like, um, also not my problem. But, you know, just all of a sudden, <laughs> like, their brains just stopped working. And I was like, and even the person I was living with, they're like, why are they asking you these questions? And I was like, I, I have no idea because I'm a stage manager. And they're like, well, I don't know what to do. So I guess I'll ask the stage manager about it. But- <laughs> Yeah, their brain's just completely full of <laughs> performing things. And so they don't think about any. Th- and I love all these people so much. And like, that's why I laugh about it. Because obviously mm-hmm. I helped them all. But I was just like, I don't know what to do with your hair dryer. Donate it to somebody. I don't know, <laughs> pack it, put it in your suitcase. Put it in your suitcase. Like, <laughs> what do you how much do room does a hair dryer me? take? I don't know. It was a very, it was very funny last couple of days. But Yeah. But I, I, I before <laughs> before I got on that weird story, uh, I want to say I think that's something that I love about Sean, but also like the way the Playhouse works is, again, you're one of the few people I know that have that experience in every single area. Like you're not just coming from a tech background, whereas if I were to become artistic director, like I don't perform. I never have performed. I mean, you know, I like did one show in high school. You know, and so as much as I appreciate performers and I try to empathize with them, I don't have that knowledge and experience or that background to really know what it is to be a performer, you know. So I would totally go at being an artistic director from a different viewpoint because I don't have that. And you're one of the very few people I know that like literally has experience in every single one of these areas. You know that a flat is four by eight. <laughs> don't make it four and a half feet by eight feet. That just doesn't make any right. logical sense. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, because right. Lewin comes in four by eight.
0: Yes, but so many people don't get that. I'm always like, no. <laughs>
1: well, I once had a scenic designer I was at Cal State Fullerton when I was taking scenic design over there. And I used to argue with her because I'd come from Orange Coast College where we actually built stuff. I'd like, Yeah, like, practical like, the scenic designer over there was actually also the technical director. So he would encourage you to build things like to design things that you might actually build.
0: Yes. (laughs) I used to Mm -hmm. argue
1: with her all the time because it's like, you are just like pure design. You took no idea of like, if this could actually be built or not.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it's safe, if it does anything.
1: I'm like, I used to argue with her over this. I'm like, but the dimensions of a piece of plywood are eight by four. So I'm going to make this this platform in a reasonable way that someone would build. And I'm not going to put like like four feet three and a half inches on that platform. Yeah,
0: I'm like, nope. You need four the feet. extra
1: three and a half inches? No, you don't.
0: Exactly, no, no you don't. <laughs> so do not. I'm just going to cut that down to four feet right there. But
1: I I think I think everyone in theater, I mean, if especially if they want it to be their life, like if it's going to be their life, they need to know a little bit about something of everything. I think mm-hmm. it just gives you knowledge of what other people are dealing with.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and how to communicate with them.
1: Yeah. like
0: I, Are there a lot of people at the Playhouse that are like that? I mean, I only know Madison, who obviously has experience as a performer and stage manager. And then Larry and Fee, who they all seem to have experience in almost every different field.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, also the Playhouse is like you hit the ground running and you learn, learn, learn. Because like... Yeah. Like, if you're not, because it's got to be done. It's like, you got to do it. Like, I know, that's how I learned how to weld. It's like, I didn't know how to weld before I had to, like, weld a set for Spring Awakening, my own show I was directing. So, I learned how to weld a set in that one. I've never welded since then, but I'm sure it would come back to me. But that's also why you
0: guys run so smoothly, I think, because you can do that whereas I've worked at other companies where you would think okay you have to hit the floor running and then they hit the floor and fall over (laughs) and I'm like that's not quite what was supposed to happen
1: well I think it does help like with Larry I know that he does perform and he does direct and he does write as well as like doing the technical stuff um I think that is helpful for him um I know Madison she's been a stage manager she's performed Um, I think her stage manager skills come in very handy in dealing with people now that she's the executive director and dealing with people and like being organized and handling money and budgets. I think the stage manager organization (laughs) really helps with that.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that.
1: Um, I mean, thank God that she's in the position position that she is because she's a person that deals with the business side of our theater, but also knows something about theater.
0: Yeah, which it's is like, also unique. Yeah. So many yeah. times I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what Tech Week is. How are you doing budgets if you can't tell me what Tech Week is? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think Christina only does costume. Well, she's done box office. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she's done acting or directing or anything.
1: Well, as someone who has to deal with the actors the most, probably besides me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's something every costume designer has to is like, they're the ones that are in the closest contact from the designer side with the actors.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
1: um, I think she's Mm -hmm. got getting good at dealing with actors and their insecurities, especially when it comes (laughs) to like what they're wearing and their body image.
0: Right. I feel like most costume people are also like part therapists because, yeah, that is what you're dealing with. And especially if you're on wardrobe, you know, you're the one there during their performance if they have a bad performance or get sick or, you know, had a bad day. And you're the one that's like calming them down and getting them ready to go on stage. Oh, yeah.
1: I've been a dresser on. I was a dresser on a show in college where it's like right after that first dress rehearsal, that actress just broke down and started sobbing like she had a full on breakdown
0: oof, nope, I'm like, somebody else. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> well, you know,
1: you have to be there for her, because literally, it was me and this other guy doing all of her changes, because she, she it was doing a show where she was playing twins, so she would literally <laughs> walk off the stage. We would have to quick change her in 30 seconds, so she'd go back on as the other twin.
0: Oh, come on, they dress alike, anyways. Nobody needs to do quick changes for that. Yes,
1: but one, like this, uh, it's a show called The Mineola Twins by Paula Vogel. One set of twins has big breasts and the other one has smaller breasts. So it's like we would have. Tim, to... You
0: had to go all the way down to like the bra and stuffing and stuff. No, we of just, like... had
1: like these little like balls that we've like canned that she would like put in and then she'd take out. <laughs> but it was. But some uh, of these changes.
0: Sean just answered his twin story. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But some of these changes were literally 30 seconds, like, full costume, full wig, full, like... We were changing everything. Yeah. And I, like, at the end of the night, she, like... Because we didn't make a couple of them that first time, and she was like... She just broke down because there was too much. It was, like, too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, like, that's being vulnerable, and it's, like... We on the tech team had to be there for her because it's, like... Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot.
0: I think that's why so many actors... I feel. I mean, I don't know if there's a statistic about this, but during award season, I think wardrobe people are usually the ones that get called out the most by performers because those are the people literally standing backstage with you during performance. Like those are the people that are keeping you together. Yeah. Yeah. If I want to know what's going on with the Cassidy West players, I go to Ashford. Yeah, you <laughs> ask wardrobe. That's that's exactly what you do. They know. Because they they know know what socks you're wearing, they know what you left at home today, they know what your quick changes are, they know if you're pissed off, they know everything. Yeah, totally. So she could just do, she could do wardrobe, she's got it covered, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, great. Okay, we're getting the five minute text from Kai. I had all kinds of other, like, directory questions to ask you, but then... So many other well, things. Now we're just going to have to wait two more two. years to get Sean on again. <laughs> two more years, yeah. Part two, of Sean. <laughs> oh my god, have you
1: been doing it for two years at this point?
0: Uh, Almost. We started in like September, Yeah. Right? That's yeah, how long in- I've been being like, Sean, you want to be on a podcast? My god. I
1: just realized today with Madison that in August, it's going to be my 11th year at the Playhouse.
0: Yeah, because it's about my 11th year. I started right after you. I've been in New York City 11 years. Last week. Wow. Look, at it's an exciting 11-year mark for everybody.
1: Here's the thing. When I graduated college, I never expected I'd last at the same theater for 11 years.
0: Yeah. doesn't always work out for some of us. But I've stayed at the Playhouse. But that's probably because I mostly volunteer and I don't have a steady job there. (laughs) Yeah, but this is like, I mean, for the whole point of, not the whole point, but the point of our podcast being like, you can do this. Like... I just want to point out that like, you can work at a community theater and be there for 11 years and make a living and do stuff that you love enough to stay there for 11 years. I just mm-hmm. think that's awesome. Yeah, it is.
1: I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky.
0: I'm very blessed. Yeah, because it's just a great community. Like every time I walk in, the old men who do load in Sundays are like, "We haven't seen you in ages," and I'll be like, "I saw you like six weeks ago." (laughs) How's married life? Our team of volunteers,
1: our volunteers that help on load ins, have literally been volunteering at the playoffs for like the last forty years, and so we affectionately call them the old men.
0: They, they, the amount of cigars and coffee that Ray Smith intakes before I even wake up on Sunday is impressive. Yeah, you've had lunch or breakfast or something with Ray once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, I have pictures in his car. (laughs) Still driving that little red car. Yep. 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 Excellent. Well, we have the twin question.
1: Okay. What's the twin question?
0: Uh, Do you have any fun and exciting or interesting twin stories? Doesn't have to be theater related.
1: Like, with you twins?
0: Any any (laughs) twins. (laughs)
1: Because I do remember going... uh, to your bachelorette party in Las Vegas. That
0: was mine. That's a good one. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're probably one of the ones that actually have a Cindy <laughs> and Stacey twin story. A lot of people we talk to either only know one of us or don't know either of us. And so, like, yeah. they don't have any cool stories to tell about us. I was... also
1: did officiate her wedding. Yes. Yes, so. yes.
0: See. <laughs> and I missed Sean's opening night one show because I was at your wedding. What show oh, what was that? Doxy's God.
1: Oh, the one you designed. So yeah.
0: yeah, and I was like, "God damn it, Sean! Why did you have to choose this direct period? Opening <laughs> night was the same night as twins' wedding." Well, you know, I actually saw that show. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> for your honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably the couple months <laughs> so after your wedding it was. when you were still yeah. in California. Yeah, I was asking Sean <laughs> the other day if he remembers meeting you. You asked who? Yeah. I, I don't
1: remember exactly when i met cindy
0: yeah i don't remember either uh well i first like i first came to the playhouse during Akhenaten, which was 2010 okay was it 2010 so- i think it would be like february of 2010 um and I think that was the first time that Stacy brought me to the Playhouse. And for a while, like while I was doing Akhenaten at Long Beach Opera. No, no, no. Nixon. I think it was Akhenaten Nixon. Was 2011. It was Nixon. Yeah. So I was doing Nixon at the opera. And then I was volunteering at the costume shop with Donna in my spare time, and looking back, I have no idea how I had spare time, because I don't. Yeah, I was just about to say, you don't anymore. What happened?
1: (laughs) I remember that Nixon show, because you donated like, the pexiglass from the airplane Yeah, from the airplane! I
0: was like, pexiglass expensive, I'm taking that. Yeah. So I'm assuming that would be like, the first time that I met you, because that's the first time that I remember going to the Playhouse, and like, volunteering, and I was there a couple times a week for a few weeks, and it must have been then.
1: Okay. And yeah, Uh, that was
0: 2000, I want to say it was 2000, Ten. Okay, because John I got married walked in eleven, so you hadn't or been there for two 2000... years, so Sean couldn't talk to you yet. Or maybe it was two thousand nine. No, no, I don't think he did. No, it was too early for Sean to actually talk to me. <laughs> but... <laughs> I may have, I may
1: have thought you were like uh Stacy at one point.
0: Probably. Yeah, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I would just drive over there and just like go straight upstairs and work with Donna, and then you know. Yeah. And I've had keys for years, so you might have even had my keys. You probably had my car. No, you had Nathan's car at the time. I cousin. had Nathan's car at the time, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, Stacey and I had gone through the trial of fire by Frankenstein and love, like, uh-huh. in 2009.
0: That's when I knew Sean was, wanted to be my friend.
1: Yes. It takes, especially back then, it took me a long time to warm up to people.
0: You're much faster now. Yes. Yeah. But when you Wait, ate food off of my plate, I was like, years. we're <laughs> friends! <laughs> One no. year instead of two years? No, man, he's really fast. You should see him socializing at opening nights. It's impressive. i just stand back with Kai and be like, look at Shot, I'm so proud.
1: Yeah, now I have a position where I actually have to like schmooze people. So
0: You have to, yeah. yeah. Well, he's wearing a tie and fancy shoes, so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm still in paint clothes.
1: So yeah, but that's when, one other job I've had to adapt to. <laughs> to.
0: <laughs> so true. What'd you say, twin? I said it's 11 years. He's worked his way up. Yeah, right. you'd think I'd figure that out, but nope, still painting walls. Yeah, I you haven't worked are your you... way up, you're still doing the same thing you, you were doing You love up painting
1: walls, though. I do, it's <laughs> so
0: nice when the walls are smooth and clean. Oh, it's I great hate
1: painting, I'm so messy at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to paint. <laughs> okay, we're past one hour, so thank you, Sean! Thank you, guys. I'll look forward to number two Thanks, when we Sean. ask you about directing questions. <laughs> okay, bye-bye, twin! Bye, twin. Okay, bye, Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twin Stock Theatre. Tottle Music, Dance MacAub, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.